Welcome to Christ Church Anglican. We hope that you were blessed by today's sermon. Well, good morning. Good morning. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I come before you today and I humbly ask you to replace myself with the, with the Holy Spirit so that the words I speak today may be your words. And Lord, I ask that the words that are heard today not be my words, but be yours. And I ask this in the name of your blessed Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. So everybody today should have a handout. I know some of you said I don't do homework anymore, so I didn't pick it up. Um, that is more for something to take a couple of notes on while we're... Uh, it's not an outline of what I'm talking about today, but something, and you'll understand when we get towards the end. Um, I want to mention something, <clears throat> excuse me, last week, those of you that were here, probably most of you, saw Stephen, heard C Stephen talk. He did an outstanding job of laying out sin and what sin is. Today we're going to talk about how that turns bad and what to do about it. Since Stephen had a C.S. Lewis quote, I can't let him outdo me. Those of you who have read uh, the screw tape letters, and I strongly encourage you to read them um, if you get an opportunity. It's a satire, but it also is very convicting in a good way, just to let you know. Uh, the senior demon screw tape was talking in one of his letters to his, his nephew Wormwood, and what he told him was the quickest way to hell is through a gradual decline. Of course, the junior demon wanted to do the big, big win and pull the person down to hell. And that's not what the senior demon was telling him to do. And that's kind of how our lives are. So I'm going to kind of do a little bit of a confession here. Uh, I guess most of you that know me a little bit uh, realize that I retired a couple years ago. My wife is still working. And uh, so therefore, I am a kept man at this point in my life. Now, my wife has a completely different word. Hers is high maintenance. I'm assuming they mean about the same thing. So, but one of the deals that we made when I was talking about retiring was I had to do housework. Now, I have to tell you, during the first service, several of the ladies laughed. So I think you all understand the concern here. Um, and, and I agreed to this totally. I love my wife dearly. And those of you that know Katrina, she's just the most precious thing in the world. And I do not want to disappoint her. So when we made this deal, I really am doing everything I can to do the best I can to get the house clean. So being the engineer and with my excessive hatred for sweeping, just to let you know why, the ground is a long way down for me. I'm six foot two. So I bought these robot vacuum cleaners and they go around the house and they clean. And those of you that have, and those of you that haven't have seen them, the cool thing is I get about, I've got three dogs at my house and I get an extra dog a week out of that vacuum cleaner. <laughs> so, so, but it goes around the house and it does a great job except for a problem, the corners. It doesn't get the corners great. And so debris stacks up in the corners. Well, if it's up to me in my life, I'm sitting here going, okay, I'm fine with a little bit of dirt in the corner. That doesn't bother me at all. But remember, I don't want to disappoint my wife, who I love dearly. And I know she was noticing. I won't tell you the signals I was receiving. They weren't overt. And so one day I had to get the broom out. And I hate the broom. I hate sweeping. And I had to sweep the corners. And that's what I want to talk about today. Because our lives are like a house that's dusty. 
We go to church. We go to Sunday school. We go to maybe Wednesday night, maybe a Bible study during the week. And we sweep out the big areas of our lives. But we miss the corners because we're not paying attention. And I just want you all to think about that for a little bit. You know, everybody here, I'm assuming, knows Jesus and accepts him as your Savior. And if you don't, by the way, come talk to me afterwards. But we tend to live our lives, we tend to live our lives out in such a way that we leave sin in the corner. We are saved from eternal damnation. There's a but. Everybody here does have sin and idols in their lives somewhere, hidden. Maybe not hidden. Maybe you know about them and are just afraid to address them. And all of us desperately need to repent. And I am not being judgmental. I'm being honest. I got the same problem you all do. And good news is this is the third weekend of Lent. So guess what we're going to talk about today? You know, how to address those sins. We'll set up a plan to clean the corners, to sweep them out. I want to kind of give you guys, I, I view an idol def, uh, from a uh, technical standpoint is an object of worship. A physical object is what the dictionary will tell you. In today's world, it's also a spiritual object that we worship. And many of us get hung up in idolatry nowadays because we're focused on the spiritual object. But let's talk a little bit about what is not an idol. So I can get a whole bunch of people in here going, boy, that's a good one. So objects that enhance our worship of God are not idols. Remember, objects that enhance our worship of God. For example, I use the altar and the cross and the beauty of it. The altar guild does an amazing job of making sure that when you walk in here, you feel the presence of God through the beauty before you. That is not an idol. We have icons out in the uh, atrium area. Those are not idols. Do we worship any of these? No. We don't. At least I hope not. Could we worship without them? If the altar was completely stripped and this place was a bare room, could we still worship? Sure, no problem. It's an idol if the physical object must be present. So those are not idols. One other thing that's not an idol is family. Family is not an idol. Understand that our, what God has asked us to do is to go forth and multiply, produce children. Generate a family, a loving environment where God has more people to love. Think about that. And that's a beautiful thing. It's our responsibility to raise the children that we produce in a way that honors God. That's our responsibility. Another thing that's not an idol is the use of your gifts. We happen to have some extremely talented individuals in this congregation. Teachers. Lawyers. Yeah, I said lawyers. <laughs> Doctors. Engineers. Carpenters. Electricians. Musicians. To, to give you an idea about talent, you know, Debbie does a beautiful job with the music that she produces. How would you all like it if I walked over there and got in front of the piano and tried to play one of the songs and sing it? You know, you all be running out the back door as fast as you can. She is talented in that way. 
And God bless her for it. Now, she'll tell you it's also a lot of hard work. And I think everybody here that has those other uh, duties would say the same thing. But God blessed you with a talent. It is your responsibility to use that talent for God's benefit. Therefore, then it's not an idol. So this kind of leads us to understanding that the spirit of sins and decay will twist God's gift into a sin or an idol. A moment I mentioned family, I could hear out there, well, you know, some people do worship their families. Okay, now you get it. God, Satan takes God's gifts and he twists them into sin. And it becomes over and over and over until eventually it becomes something that's an object of your worship. So the spirit of distraction will take time. It takes time away from your family, from focusing on, on doing things pointless. Hold on a second. Y'all got it. What is that? Think about what I'm doing. What does that look like I'm doing? It's called an iPhone prayer. What am I praying to? We all do it. We take away from interactions and we're distracted. We take away from our worship of God. Some people do use this as a Bible, by the way. I won't pick on y'all. So keep that in mind. We don't want to be distracted. Gaming. Oh, some of the older folks here are going, yeah, gaming's bad. Well, when we were... When I was younger, you know what I did when I got home? I turned on the TV. You know what the kids are doing nowadays? They're turning on a video game. What's the difference? So, but it's how that is used. The spirit of distraction will take that time away from the family and from God. That's what we have to watch. Spirit of deception. This is one, to be honest, has kind of got me a little angry. When the spirit of deception overtakes you, by watching what is now called news, or I call it propaganda. And I'm not being politically any direction. I don't care. Can you imagine something? I want y'all to just kind of take a look around here. We have people on both political spectrums here, I'm sure. I'm not going to pick anybody out, by the way. Can you imagine something that would make you hate somebody in this room because you're watching a show? You don't think that's not a spirit of deception? Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, I can go down the list. Evil pops into my mind when I think of those. So my dad told me that uh, I always believe 50% of what you see and 30% of what you hear. I think he was being kind. Especially when you look at what's on the news nowadays. A spirit of sloth may tempt you to be lazy at work. You know, oh, my boss makes a lot of money, I don't have to work hard. That's a spirit of sloth. Spirit of fear makes you afraid of either losing your job, so you work extra hard, or maybe a spirit of greed kicks in. It says, if I work extra hours, I can make more money. Both of those are spirits that take away from your family, take away from your time to honor and worship God. A spirit of pride may cause you to overfocus on your children's competitive events. Making the blessing of a family into the worship of a child. Guilty. That one got me. A spirit of lust may induce you to watch pornography. Most of us sit back and we think about when, I sit, when, when somebody up in the pulpit says pornography. They think about uh, you know, the, the, you know, the, the horrific images that are there. No. 
It's little things that are getting us nowadays. Um, any show, book, movie, music, etc., that distracts you with images that generate lust, distracting images, is pornography. Anything. This includes most of the TV shows on regular, regular TV, Netflix, pretty much any movie out there. The word pornography doesn't mean, you know, the really sick stuff out there. The, the, the spirit of pornography is pervasive in what we do. Heck, even watching the news, you see it. It's disgusting. And by the way, ladies, I'm not just talking about the guys. Anybody ever heard of a romance novel? What can I say? Other spiritual creations we worship are envy, gluttony, anger, covetousness, violence, sarcasm, addiction. So several, many people in here may be saying, I don't have any issue with any of these. Yeah, you do. Really? You don't think you do? Look deep. By the way, anybody notice I'm using the term spirit? Since these idols that we've described, I think everybody feels evident are not of God. Who are they of? Whose spirit are you worshiping? You do have the power and authority in Jesus' name over these spirits. By the way, it's one reason they call it spirituality. What can I say? And it's time for us to begin to use that authority. The corner of our lives are packed with the dust of sin. So what can we do? Well, we're in Lent. And we're in a church. So there's obviously got to be a solution. Um, I would say, first, let's keep it simple. Some people in here may have, by the way, that's what the paper is for. You can make notes if you need to. Or keep it in your head if you don't want to write it down, because some of it's embarrassing. But let's make one change. One thing. Let's change one thing during this time of penance. I know everybody in here today had at least one idol that they popped into their heads that they said, I need to address that one. Ooh, that's not good. And then quickly you had a whisper in the ear, okay, that's okay, don't worry about it. That's why I gave you paper to write it down. And since we're in God's house, maybe he has a solution. And he does. Number one, pray. Talk to God about either identifying sin or if you've identified one that you need to address talk to him about how to get rid of the idols in your life and I want you to understand God will speak to you God always talks to you it may be directly it may be through another person but he always speaks be aware that God may point out things that you do not want to give up sometimes that sometimes that dust in the corner it's so comfortable, and you're looking at it going, you know, it kind of matches the baseboards, so it might be okay. But we have to deal with sin. We love our God. We passionately love Him, and we don't want to disappoint Him. So we deal with the sin. And also be aware that when you do identify an idol in your life, the enemy will fight you. 
you'll hear potentially hear things like, oh, it's not a sin. You're just being too critical. You know, or it's like Stephen mentioned last week, you know, people that are heavenly minded are no earthly good, you know, which is one of the lies of the deceiver. Or you just aren't strong enough to give that up. Another lie. Confess your sins to Jesus and ask him to forgive you. Repent. As our gospel or as our, you know, our gospel talked about today, repent of your sins. When you come forward today for the meal that we're going to have with Jesus, it's called Holy Eucharist, and I've referred to it as an Anglican altar call. Bring your sins forward and give them to God. Just ask him, take these from me. I can't do this anymore. And now after you've identified and dealt with your sin, please remember and please watch, be careful of this. You have to fill that void with something godly. Because if you don't fill it with something godly, the deceiver will fill it with something that's ungodly. So purposely, intentionally find something to fill it that's godly. And it may be something along, maybe Christian music instead of secular music. Um, it could be maybe uh, more wholesome books or maybe Bible studies instead of romance novels. My wife's not here, so I can make that comment. But you get the picture. Do something. My personal experience, I could tell you, that when I start, that when you start, Satan will whisper in your ear, this is boring or it's pointless or any other excuse to bring you back to him. But you have to persist. So two points to close. It will take time and effort for you to cultivate a life that bears fruit as described in the parable of the fig tree today from our, our gospel reading. God is patient, but he does expect fruit from you. That's an expectation. Second, or finally, remember that God will never tempt you more than you can handle. And if the burden is too great, God will provide a way out as described in our epistle today in 1 Corinthians, which is on the handout I had passed out. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide you the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. I beg you, memorize this verse. You will need it. When you find sin or idols, remember, God will not give you temptations that you can't handle. And the good and bad news is, it's time to get out that broom I hate so much. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. For more information, feel free to visit us online at ccanglican.com. We hope you will join us again soon.